destruction always arises from people doing quote-unquote holy things for selfish reasons. Every travesty ever committed in the name of religion stands as a witness to my words. Welcome to Truth, Love, Parents, where we use God's Word to become intentional, premeditated parents. Here's your host, A.M. Brewster. Welcome back to the Your Family Needs to Go to Church series. This is part two, so if you missed part one, check that one out first. Last time we talked about what the church is and what the purpose of church is. Today we're going to dive into the motivation for church. But before we do that, I'd like to share our newest review with you. This one is from AngelCat09, and she says, Great biblical information for parents. He just speaks a little fast sometimes, and sometimes I miss parts of the information. Oh, Angel Cat, you're, you're probably getting an amen right now from many other listeners. I actually think it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Uh, when I listen to podcasts, I generally listen to them on one and a half times speed. Sometimes if the host is from the South, I can listen to it on two times speed. And I've often wondered if any of my listeners might be tempted to listen to me on maybe like half speed or something. Well, Angel Cat, I will do my best to slow down a little. I definitely am tempted to fly when there's a lot to discuss in under 20 minutes. Oh, well, I guess we all have our vices. But thank you for your observation that everything we try to teach here is biblical. God's truth is the most important part of our parenting. That's why the concept of church is so vital for your family. But it's probably not vital for the reason you may think. Last time I listed out 12 benefits of going to church from an article by The Art of Manliness, and though I acknowledge that many of their bullet points may occur when you go to church, I observed that none of those were the reason God created the church and would therefore be bad motivations for going. God created the church to glorify Him. He ordained the assembling of believers so that the believers could be equipped to glorify Him better by drawing closer to Him and by introducing others to Him. That's it. Everything else is a perk, the icing on the cake. But one of the biggest problems with going to church is the same problem with everything else we do in life. We do it for the wrong reasons. So today I want to talk about four things. Number one, if we're doing the right thing, why is motivation so important? Two, what's the wrong motivation for church? And as we talk about that, we'll also discuss why the wrong motivation is so destructive. Three, what's the right motivation for church? And four, how do we parent our children to have that motivation? So let's start with number one. Why is motivation so important? Some of you may remember our Teaching Your Children to Obey series. If you haven't heard it, you definitely need to check it out. It starts in episode 138. In that series, we define true obedience as doing the right thing in the right way for the right reason and the right power. And as uncomfortable as it may be to admit, we already know why motivation is so important. Everyone listening to my voice knows that you wouldn't want me to do something nice for you just to manipulate you to do something for me. The problem is not that we don't understand the importance of motivation. The problem is that we're hypocritical. We never want anyone to treat us that way, but we have no problem justifying our wicked motivation by arguing, well, at least I was treating you well. Motivation is everything. Without the right motivation, it doesn't matter what we do. That's why Samuel could say in 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. Wasn't offering sacrifices obeying? Well, technically, God had commanded it. But all throughout the Old Testament, we encounter God who was frequently angered by the sacrifices, the quote-unquote obedience of the people. And his anger always landed on the fact that the people's hearts were far from him. They were doing the right things for all the wrong reasons. In Hosea 6.6, we read, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. 
True love would sacrifice the right things in the right way. Selfish idolatry could sacrifice the right things in the right way, but it would never be for the right reasons. This is why we must come face to grimy face with our underlying motives. It's not going to be pretty, but it's necessary. So number two, what are some of the wrong motivations for church? Well, in an attempt to oversimplify, okay, the wrong reason for church is the desire for what we will get out of it. Of course, this very broad motivation has a thousand ways of fleshing itself out in our lives. Some people just want to be entertained. Some people are looking for a way to atone for past sins and garner favor with God. Some people merely want to make and build relationships. Others might want to become famous. And others want to have a stronger marriage and develop successful, well-rounded kids. There are those who really want to build discipline, some desire to contribute to greater free thinking and diversity of ideas, and some people want to achieve greater mental and physical health. And if you couldn't tell, I started quoting from the Art of Manliness article for a couple of those. But believe it or not, some people want to learn more about God in the Bible, and others are desperately wanting to build discipline and holiness. Now, you may be thinking, Aaron, what's wrong with that? Sure, some of those sounded self-seeking, but how bad can it be to want to learn more about God and become more spiritual? I want my family to turn out well. I want my marriage to be strong. What's wrong with going to church for those reasons? Well, the answer is going to require you to think outside the box a little and be super honest. Any motivation an unsaved person can have is not the motivation a born-again follower of God should have. There are devotees to pagan religions all over the world who desperately want to be closer to their idea of God. There are people far more devout than you or I who turn their lives upside down to perform religious rites, including, but not limited to, blowing up oneself. Any selfish motivation will immediately poison the most righteous actions. If I go to church simply because I have a deep desire to know more about God, and I'll be able to satisfy that longing sitting in the chairs of a church, then God is not going to be pleased with me because my motivation is completely selfish. There are people in this world, like the Pharisees, who pridefully puffed themselves up because they were so quote-unquote holy, but there was no group Christ attacked more often than the Pharisees. Destruction always arises from people doing quote-unquote holy things for selfish reasons, and every travesty ever committed in the name of religion stands as a witness to my words. Now, can God use the misguided religiosity of sinful men? Definitely. Paul says that those who spread the gospel for selfish gain are at least spreading the gospel, and God used man's sin to purchase our salvation. He will ultimately be glorified despite us, but that won't end well for us. When we live selfishly, we're worshiping at the altar of self. We're idolaters. We're spiritual adulterers. We've created another God in our own image. From the Garden of Eden to the flood, to the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, until the moment that death and hell are thrown into the lake of fire, every punishment that has ever been meted out against sinful people has come as a result of mankind worshiping themselves instead of God. Now, I can talk about this a hundred more times, and it still may be confusing to some of you, and I guarantee that it will be confusing to your kids. Nearly everything they do is selfishly motivated. Until we're born again, it's impossible for us to do anything that's not selfish. It's definitely something that spiritual maturity reveals to us over time. So let's look at the other side of the coin in order to get the full picture. Number three, what is the right motivation for church? Well, the answer is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple because it's not complex. The only Christ-honoring motivation for assembling as a body of believers is to glorify God. He commands it. We do it. We should get together with other believers solely so that our Lord will be pleased by our obedience. And of course, that obedience is motivated out of nothing but selfless agape love. 
If that kind of love is new to you, then I encourage you to listen to our Four Family Love series that started in episode 128. Why would I want to assemble? Because God commands it. Why should I participate in the one another's? Because God desires it. What's my motivation for loving Christians? God told me to. Why should I preach or teach or minister or serve? Because God would be pleased for me to do so. That's it. Now, it's simple because it's not complex, but it's not easy because it's oftentimes hard. The temptation for wrong motivations come because of the inherent blessing of obeying God. See, God promises many, many blessings in the Bible if we obey. In fact, most of the promises in Scripture are conditional. They require us to obey in order to get them. So it's a tiny and super, super easy step for otherwise selfish individuals to want to do the right things because of the blessing they receive. Why wouldn't I want to be a peacemaker? God said he'd call me a son of God. Why wouldn't I want to obey my parents? God said it'll be well with me and I'll live long on the earth. It's true that obedience brings amazing and glorious promises. My favorite passage in the whole Bible is Philippians 4. The sole rest that's promised in that passage is so glorious. I did a nine-part peaceful parenting series on it. But if I cross all my spiritual T's and dot all of my religious I's simply so that I can have my peace, my motivation is self-serving. I'm not God-serving. So the idea is simple, and that's, again, it's not complex. We need to do the right things because God commands it. But the application is difficult because we really do receive good things when we obey. That reality often tempts us to the wrong motivations. So people may ask, then why does God promise such good things? Why doesn't he just tell us to do right? I would argue that it would be impossible for him not to promise good things. He designed for life to work when we obey. Good things happen when people submit to God. In fact, heaven will be heaven because we'll have no sin. We'll be able to perfectly submit to him. That's why it'll be a place of everlasting joy and peace and life and sheer awesomeness. We'll finally be living life the way God created. And I promise you that there won't be a single person in heaven who's focused on being entertained while we worship God. Will it be amazing? Will we love it? Of course. But we won't be doing it for the mere consequences. There won't be a single person in heaven who worships the Lord in order to gain his favor or to simply build his repository of sacred knowledge. No one will be perfectly fulfilling the creation mandate simply so that he can show off. Everything will be done for the glory and excellence and worship and praise of the only great God and our Father. That's what we need to teach our kids to do. We need to teach them to want to go to assembly with the church simply because God loves it when we obey. So that leads to the final question of the day. But before I do that, I want to just take a moment to thank Matt and Sonia for making this episode and others like it possible. Matt and Sonia are regular supporters of TLP, and their monthly gifts help make it possible for us to glorify God by ministering to families all over the world. I ask you to please consider what the Lord may have you do. If you're interested, you can learn more by clicking the link below, Five Ways to Support TLP. Okay, number four. How do we parent our children to have the right motivation for church? And that, my friends, is a hard question. Here's the best I can do for you. First, God's word is abundantly clear that we can never parent well unless we ourselves are following Christ. We must be following him before we can be the first follower. We must be submitting to him before we can be a good ambassador parent. We need to want to go to church for the right reasons. Now, that's not to say we don't start teaching them until our motivation is perfect. That won't happen this out of heaven. But we definitely need to be moving in that direction unless we want our children merely learning from our hypocrisy. Second, we need to teach our kids the lessons in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and Hosea 6, 6. 
We can also use Isaiah 1.14, Amos 5.21, and Isaiah 61.8. All of those verses talk about the same thing. God hates worship that looks right on the outside, but is wrong on the inside. Third, we need to remind our kids why we're assembling. And at first, you'll have to do this every time you head to church. I spent months asking my kids every Sunday, why do we go to church? And I think it's probably high time I revisit that because it's been a while since I did it. Because it's so easy to forget such a simple truth because it's so easy to be sidetracked by what we're going to get out of it and what we're going to do there. Fourth, we need to ask God to help us obey for the right reasons. This should be one of the most reoccurring prayer requests in your home. Everyone can pray it all the time. Dear God, give us the strength we need to obey you for the right reasons. Fifth, this point will lead us to our topic for next time, but we need to attend an assembly of believers who will encourage us to meet for God and not for us. That also means we need to stop reading articles and listening to podcasts from people who encourage us to go to church for the wrong reasons. We need a body of believers. We need a community around us who are going to do their best by the power of God to meet for the only reason that matters. If your pastor or fellow congregants are constantly motivating you to go to church for selfish, self-seeking reasons, then perhaps you need to start meeting with a new body of believers. But like I said, we'll talk more about that next time. Please take a minute to share this episode and check out our free episode notes at truthloveparent.com. Next time, we'll be discussing what kind of church is the best kind. Now, that may sound super controversial, but my only goal is to answer that question from the Word of God, so I hope that excites you and that you'll join me next time. The church is an amazing and beautiful collection of redeemed saints who all desire to glorify God by building the church. Don't take that opportunity away from your kids. I'll see you next time. Truth, Love, Parent is part of the Evermind Ministries family and is dedicated to helping you become an intentional, premeditated parent. Join us next time as we search God's Word for the truth your family needs today.